ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Kiki Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. The 4 o'clock hour and Friends, ESPN 690, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz. The Friends. The Friends. <laughs> the aforementioned. Haven't seen him. Maybe we figured out how to get rid of them for real this time. I've been trying to figure that out for a year and a half. And, so. you, and you did it before you got your $5 bet paid off. You know, that's a good point. We're going to have to get back with Brent on that. Anyway, Brent will be with us in a second. But we welcome in another guy who I feel like is a friend. He's definitely a friend of Brent's, so I'm going to claim it. <laughs> Every Wednesday on ESPN 690, Clay Harbor. Clay, what's going on, man? Damn. That's messed up, Casey. I thought we were better than that. Yeah. Man. Only a friend of Brent's? That's unbelievable. Well, I, I thought we were best, all best buds. Listen, listen. See, wh- what I don't want to do is claim it, and then Clay's like, you know, Casey, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Could you imagine how the air Clay's like, ah, we're okay. We're, we're acquaintances. So I just want to figure out where I stand, Clay, but now that I know we're in good standing, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear oh, it. You're a bachelor. You're a bachelor nation fan. I don't know if anybody, everybody knows that out there, but you're you're a big bachelor guy, right? That's true. I I do watch from time to time when it's on TV. Not from time to time, just every time it's on. Just actually, every, is what not I from to just every time. Yeah, all the time, Clay. I'm always locked in, and you're locked into everything: the Bears, the Eagles, the Jags. So I know you're locked into this. Did you imagine when you came on the program this week on Monday? Did you think you'd be coming on to find out James Robinson's no longer a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Man, I was uh, I was shocked. I didn't know he was he was available, but I think there there has to be something underlying there that we don't know about. Was my only thought. The conclusion that I came to, like Doug, must know something that we don't because it just doesn't make sense for me. You need two good running backs in this league. James Robinson has proven time and time again that he is a solid running back. He's a good player, and good players are hard to find. I don't, I don't think you get rid of a good player for a sixth, maybe fifth round pick. So I'm assuming Doug has some inside info. I'm hoping at least because I I don't really like the fact that you're getting rid of a guy that can do the things that he can do. And Clay, it's interesting you say that. And Casey, if you want to cue up the sound we had from earlier, I want you to take a listen to what Doug Peterson said during his uh, presser a little bit earlier today, Casey, if you got it. One thing that I know that you don't know is there's a lot of information. So, and I'm not I'm not going to divulge all the information. It's just it's for me to know and for us to know and and all the details on that. Clay, what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows, Doug. Well, Nobody knows. Some people know, just not us. We just don't get to know. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder why. Like, if he asked to be, like, traded, like, like yeah, he, you know, he didn't want to share reps. He wanted to be traded. But anywhere he goes at this point in his career, I mean, most running backs are going to have to share reps. There's going to be a two-running back system. It's kind of what this league's come to. So I can't imagine it was that. Maybe he wanted to be the focal point, but... I'm not sure. Not only that, but, like, once you leave this team, once you leave the team that undrafted free agented you, and then you ended up being a star on that team, and then you go somewhere else, I mean, don't you have to kind of prove it again with this guy? It's not like he's he's got this high draft pedigree. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to have to start from square one. He'll get some reps. He'll come in and get some reps, but he's going to have to earn the 
you know, 10, 15 rep range, he's not going to come in and be a huge part of a game plan when they haven't seen the guy play before. He's going to have to relearn an entire playbook, which takes time. And doing that midseason isn't easy. Uh, Trust me, I know. That's not easy. And then doesn't that hurt your stock going into your unrestricted free agency where you just spent half the year trying to learn a new playbook that you no longer need, which probably reduces the numbers from what you would have had had things worked out the way you wanted to in Jacksonville. It just seems like I, I don't know that, that J-Rob's ever going to get the deal he's looking for. Certainly not in this NFL. Who's getting big money deals in the NFL like Saquon this offseason? And that's about it. Maybe McCaffrey. Well, hey, yeah, if you look down the road, I mean, this might be a win for the Jackson, for Jacksonville. But if you're, if you're throwing in the towel in this season, I mean, it kind of gives me that feeling. If you're just playing for the future and you want the draft pick and you don't think you'll be able to sign this guy because you've got Travis Etienne, then, yeah, let him go get a draft pick. You know, sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick, you got something for nothing in that case. But if you think you still have a chance to compete in this division, I know you're 2-5. and five. If you think you can still maybe somehow pull out the South or get a wild card, I don't see how trading this guy away is going to help you. Yeah, that's we're, we're trying to make sense of it, and we're kind of stuck on that too, Clay. So when you see this, like, again, you're probably not going to re-sign him. But is this is this business to you, or do you think there's more moves coming from the Jags? Like, I don't think the season's lost, but it feels like when you trade one of your best players, that doesn't send a good message to the fans. When you trade, trade James Robinson, it doesn't send a, a good message that you're still in this and you're still fighting. So I think they're going young. I think they weren't going to pay him. They got Travis Etienne. Obviously, he had a heck of a game. I don't know if that had something to do with it. You give a guy 14 carries, he gets 114 yards, an 8-yard pop, a touchdown, and a 50-yard run. I mean, that could make somebody else feel like they're irrelevant anymore. But still, you need two running backs in this league. You had a nice thunder and lightning. And I think that this was a tough, a tough move for a lot of the Jags fans because that's one of the players that they could always look at these past few years. It's been a hard worker. It's been a bright spot. So it's tough to see him go. I wish him the best. But it just sends that message to me that we're, we really don't think we're going to win the division this year and, you know, next year we'll have an extra late-round draft pick that maybe will turn into something. Not to switch gears so quickly because I do want to get back to James Robinson, Travis Etienne, the Jaguars' backfield, the Jags in general, but breaking news, and it has to do with your Chicago Bears, Clay, the e- mm-hmm. and, and the Eagles, who you played for as well. The Eagles just traded for Robert Quinn. That's a big deal now. Wow. Yeah, pass rusher Robert you Quinn. You got that? You got that before me. When did uh? This is what four, did they get for this? Four minutes ago. I haven't seen what the return is, but that's a big deal now. The Eagles going for rounder. it. All in. Wow, my two teams. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> a the fourth Eagles round pick for Robert Quinn. Yeah, what a steal, huh? For Robert Quinn, I think that's a steal. But here's the deal: the Bears, they know they're not going to win the division this year. They, they, you don't think they're going to sneak in the playoffs? I mean, in Chicago, we've come to grips with it, but. I think that's a win for both teams. The Bears wanted to get them off the books. They wanted the young guys to get more time. And the Eagles are going for the championship. They got a steal. A fourth-round oh, pick? A fourth-round pick? How he's got he's got the Saints draft pick next year. It's a top-five pick right now. <laughs> okay? That's incredible. How he just keeps getting it done. Now he brings in a guy that had 18-and-a-half sacks last year. Set the Bears franchise record. Quinn had a nice game against the Patriots last week where he had a couple of pressures against uh, Bailey Zappi, the zapper. And uh, now the Eagles get another big pass rusher. This is pretty incredible. And here's the thing. Whether you think Robert Quinn still has gas in the tank or not, clearly, I think he does. But at 32 years old, 
He's not necessarily a spring chicken in football years, but still with two more years left on the contract, he's signed through 2024. So it's not like the Eagles are doing this one-year rental for a fourth-round pick. They picked up a piece there. That's a piece. That's a guy that's going to be there. And that's what the Bears wanted. They wanted to get rid of going young. This just shows the city of Chicago that we know we're not a contender. And the Bears are 3-4. and four. They're still in it. They got a big game against the Cowboys. If they win that next week, they're back to 500. So to me, this shows the Bears, hey, we're, we're not gonna, we're not winning this year. But we think next year, you get a fourth round pick. We have a lot of, we have a lot of holes to fill. So let me get, let me get this, this pick in return for one of our big defensive ends. I'm still wrapping my head around this. Robert Quinn's gone. That's, uh, that's interesting. The Bears, I'll have to pick up another edge somewhere. They got some good players: Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, um, Muhammad. But they'll need some help there. If you're just jumping in, ESPN 690, Clay Harbor with us. We're talking about Robert Quinn getting traded from the Bears to the Eagles. Clay, let me ask you this, though. I'm looking at a picture from a Bears media member. Roquan uh, Smith was talking as he was traded. Oh. He was doing his press conference. Roquan's got to be real mad. He's emotional. It looks like he might even be crying in this yeah. clip. He cut the press conference short, Clay. I bet. Uh, when he's, you see he's that, marching right to the GM's office going, where's my deal at? Yeah, where's that, my trade at? That can't be good for the chemistry in the locker room, right? It's, it's doesn't not a good look, at least on the outside looking in. Oh, no. Roquan's going He's going to Ryan Pohl's office. And he's saying, all that money that you just shipped out the door? <laughs> it's coming you to, me. to me. You give me that money. Yeah, okay, bro. That's what Roquan's saying. He, he, has, he, he asked for a trade a long time ago. What's the hold up there, you think? Yeah, he goes, hey, you're going to trade Robert Quinn, but you're not going to trade me when I ask you to trade it? <laughs> But here's the difference. Roquan Smith is only 25 years old. He's leading the NFL in tackles and solo tackles this year. Animal. He had a big game last uh, on Monday, uh, a couple days ago. He had an interception, he had a fumble recovery, he had a sack, and he had 12 tackles. I mean, this guy's all over the place. It's just interesting to me how many people think that their favorite player would fetch a high draft pick, and then you see a guy like James Robinson get shipped out for a sixth-slash-fifth or a uh, Robert Quinn for a fourth. They're talking Kareem Hunt rumors for a fourth. What did McCaffrey go for? I forget. Second, but, yeah, and, third. second and third is pretty decent haul. But but to that point, Aaron, we were just talking about it. Like, apparently the Panthers were offered two firsts for Brian Burns, and they don't take it, and now you have a good pass rusher go for the fourth. I mean, Clay, are you giving up first-rounders for pass rushers anymore? Because it feels like you can get a good one with the fourth-round pick because we just saw it happen. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's honestly, it's it's crazy. But guys, I'll be I'll be one hundred percent. Robert Quinn has been has been non-existent this season. I mean, the guys the guy hasn't been himself. And I've said it over and over again. I go, I, what's happened to Robert Quinn in my tweets? This guy's not getting pressure. He's not the same guy he was, but he's still got that in his. And you saw it. You saw it Monday night. He looked like he was playing a little bit better. And I said, that's good for the Bears if they're trying to deal this guy because he was really showing nothing for the longest time. And he started to uh, to come on of late, but, you know, he didn't look like the Robert Quinn that we had come to, to know and love of the past. But these past few games, he started to uh, to play a little better. But still, I mean, this, this is a tough one. He was, he was our best edge defender. Nobody can say anything about that. We were one of the worst teams in the league. The Bears were one of the worst teams in the league as far as pass rush is concerned. So now, I mean, quarterback, you're not be able to be able to have a pic- picnic back there. Be able to hang out, put a nice little blanket <laughs> down, you know, throw the, do whatever you want back there. Well, now you go to a team with, with guys like Brandon Graham and, uh, and, and Hassan Reddick, these guys who are just eating. Robert Quinn yeah. may, may, have, may, may get a fuller plate 
because of it. I think, yeah, I think it's great uh, for him. Yeah, he'll get one-on-ones, and, and that's good for Quinn because, I mean, he had nobody else to take any of the attention away from him. I mean, he was a focal point. Nobody else is, is going to scare anybody. You look out there, you go, okay, you got to block Robert Quinn. That's it. So, I mean, he has one sack this year. He has six tackles. He's graded at four. You know, I like the PFF grades. His grade is, is 43%. Yeah, it's ugly on like, paper. This is, he's one of the worst graded edge defenders in the league this year no. for whatever reason. I think going to a contender, now you're playing for something. You have a chance to win the Super Bowl. It could change things. Absolutely. Clay Harbor with us, ESPN 690. Clay, let's get it back to the Jags because we're 15 minutes in. We haven't talked about the football game that happened. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know it's, it's, it's not a bright spot. The Jags lose again to the New York Giants, but, you know, you watch the game. They come so close again, Clay. When you look at it as a whole, how do you feel about this Jags team? Now 2-5, and five, not where we thought they were going to be after at least three games now that they're 2-5. and five. You know, it was it was a tough game for sure, and a game they should have won. I thought there were some things to be encouraged about, but there were also some things that were concerning. The, the Giants obviously are what are they six and one now? Yes, five and one, six, six and, and one. one. Yeah, six I don't know. And one. I mean, you got you got Saquon Barkley. He had a good game. You had trouble stopping him, and he had trouble stopping Daniel Jones. It's understandable, but that run defense, man, I was you just got to be better, in my opinion. I think the the, the pass defense showed up. They did a decent job. Obviously, you're playing against Daniel Jones, but I think they they did a good job. But the run defense is is a concern. And then Trevor, you know, he's, he didn't complete uh, he didn't complete maybe 50 percent of his passes last week. There's a lot of incompletions. It seems like he's not on the right page with some of these guys. I know he had over 300 yards, but I mean, it really comes down to the turnovers, man. Etn fumbling that ball. You have a couple big turnovers there, and, and without that, the Jags run away with this game. So it was good to see Christian Kirk come back to life, and Evan Ingram had a nice game. Marvin Jones had some big catches. Zay Jones, all the weapons, and ETN get some good yardage, but you, you can't beat yourself. Like I was talking to you guys about last week, what is Bill Belichick? The first thing he says in his meeting would shock me. Before you can win, you got to learn how not to lose. And that's something the Jaguars got to do. Got to learn how not to beat yourself. And that's probably what Brian Dable, being a Bill Belichick disciple, says to his team every day in the, in the meeting room. Don't beat yourself. So that's what the Jags did. They beat themselves. You talked a little bit about the defense. And, you know, going up against a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's having one of his best seasons ever outside of his rookie season. I mean, certainly putting up pretty staunch numbers this year. They held him in check now for about three quarters. Now it all kind of went off the rails in that fourth quarter, but... I mean, letting Daniel Jones beat you on the ground the entire game is not just a recipe for a loss. It's pretty demoralizing. It really is. It really is. And I saw, you know, I saw that. We all saw that Monday night when you see Justin Fields running for for some uh, some big runs. But Daniel Jones went over a hundred yards. Okay, this guy's every time he runs the ball, he's getting ten yards. I mean, that's that's demoralizing. And obviously, you say, well, regardless what happens, if ETN doesn't fumble the ball if you know if you don't miss some of these plays and you're going to win the win the game regardless. But that's not a recipe for winning. You got to stop the run. You know coming in that that's what the Giants are going to do. So I was hoping I was hoping the Jags would have a better uh, a better idea of of how to stop them. So so are you putting that on the coaches on the players? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Where where are you handing that out? 
I think it's a little bit of both. I, you know, I, I really like Devin Lloyd. I think he's he's had a tough couple of games these last couple of weeks. A lot in pass coverage, but you know, he almost had another I pick. Think, he got called back on him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you know he's got to get back to to playing well. I I think Boye Aluakun uh, had some had some plays that he wants back, but I know he still had 12, 12 tackles and he had the seven solos. But I think there's some things that that our linebackers can do better and then, you know, plugging those holes with the big guys. So it's a full team thing. I think Caldwell, it's his first year as a D coordinator. He still needs to learn how to do some of this stuff. So he's going on the fly too. So I think they're going to all get better together. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that is the case. Clay, let me ask you this as a former player. I asked Rasheen Mathis uh, playing on the defensive side, but the Jags had a sequence where they went 10 men on the field, forced to call a timeout. And they came out of that with 12 men on the field, Clay. How does that happen? How do you go from 10 to 12? Can we just get 11, please? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. I don't know. They, uh, they overcompensated there. I've never been a part of something like that. But you best believe in the meetings in the meetings this week that they're going to be going over that in, the, in all the personnel groupings, who's in and who's out. And somebody's getting chewed out. You know, I wouldn't want to be the guy that was supposed to be on the field that wasn't, and I definitely wouldn't want to be the guy that overcompensated well on the field. Honestly, I have no idea how that happens. Usually you look on the field, you see someone, who's who's your position? If I go out there and I'm sitting there with, it's 12 personnel, I see three tight ends, I know right away, okay, hey, somebody uh, bleeped that one out. So what's the, <laughs> what's the personnel grouping? What's the personnel grouping, guys? And then one of us runs off the field. You don't sit there and they just stay on the field with too many guys. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, the the love for the coaching staff this week has kind of fallen off a cliff. You know, it was for a couple of weeks there, it was uh, Doug Peterson and, and company could do no wrong. Even in the losses, you saw people going, oh, have faith, we're still, we're still learning here, we're still putting the group together. What do you think happened over the last couple of weeks that makes people turn on the dime right now? Because uh, apparently the patience is starting to wear thin for sure. You know, I, I still like I still like the, the 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 Jaguars coaching staff. Doug Peterson, I like him. I like his aggressiveness. And some people are saying, "Hey, you know, we love that this guy's aggressive, but now it's costing us some some big time possessions and some big time games." And that's what that's what happens when you have an aggressive coach. I'd rather have an aggressive coach that trusts his players and goes for it than a guy that does it. I think once they start clicking, this is really going to pay off. Doug Peterson's the right guy for the job. I think Mike Caldwell needs a little bit more time. Obviously, he's a first-year guy. But Doug's going to get him right. I still have faith. You know, I was on this coaching staff with Doug. The players love him. They're going to play for him. I haven't lost faith. They're going to turn this thing around. You have the Broncos this week coming in. I'm not coming in. I'm in London. But I think that's a winnable game. Who knows, is Russell Wilson playing? Even if he does, I mean, he has the worst pass rating of his career. The, 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 the Broncos have a terrible run defense. They have a great pass defense, but run the ball. And obviously, you don't have James Robinson to run the ball with. But run the ball, DTN and Snoop Connor. And get the, establish the run game. Don't have to throw the ball that much against this team. And their offense isn't doing great. So I think this is a very winnable game. It's a perfect opponent. You're out in London. Get the W. Come back and regroup. Absolutely. Let's talk more about the Broncos in a second, Clay. Before we go to break here, you mentioned Doug Peterson. You mentioned James Robinson. I don't know if you saw the post game with Doug Peterson, but after the game when they asked him why didn't James Robinson get the football, said there was some sort of injury. Now, granted, 
keep in mind, James Robinson was not on the injury report all week. And then to yesterday, or on Monday, I should say, before the trade, he kind of doubled down and said, ah, there's some lower body stuff, and, you know, that's what we were working through. Then he gets traded to the Jets, and he passes a physical. So, obviously, there's no problem there. I have no. a problem, and at least maybe it might be my trauma coming off Urban Meyer, but it feels like Doug Peterson stood up there and didn't, you know, tell the truth. I mean, when you hear stuff like that with the coach saying, hey, there's an injury, and then all of a sudden the player gets traded, it feels to me like he lied. He was careful not to use the word injury. He called it lower body issues is what he called it. He didn't want to get in trouble there. Yeah, this is probably something to where in a court of law, you know, maybe maybe James Robinson had a blister or something. But, <laughs> you know, there was something more there. Obviously, oh, to me, this sounds like there was some sort of a falling out. There was some sort of a conversation, That's some a sort of right? falling out in the locker room. I've been in situations like this. There's still things that people don't know about my old Eagles teams that was kind of dysfunctional with Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, between the coaches. Why was it? D-Jack playing, he got sent home or something. People still don't know what happened. So you, every, the, the fans and the media aren't going to know everything that happens beyond these closed doors, but for Doug to stand up there and kind of mislead people is unfortunate. If he said, hey, we're not going to talk about it, then that's one thing. But to say that he's got an injury when it's obviously it was something else, you don't play the guy. The guy gets zero carries, and then you trade him and he passes a physical? doesn't make sense to me. It's not a good look. That's that's at least the way I look at it. It's not a good look. But Doug will have the chance to write that wrong, I guess, because winning cures it all, Clay. And they will yep. play the Broncos in London. We'll talk more about it with Clay Harbor, former Jag, former Eagle, watching the Bears closely. And the Bears are getting traded while Clay's on the show. Clay's a busy man, and he's coming back with us <laughs> right after this. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll say the communication was really not not there. And, I mean, last Sunday I felt like I could play, but obviously you guys seen it. I didn't, so. That is James Robinson who just spoke in New York. And, obviously, James doesn't say a lot of words, but he doesn't sound too happy. A tough deal for James here in Jacksonville. We said that it was clunky. It felt clunky. Uh, and, and I don't know if there's a good way to do it. The Jags didn't really treat James Robinson the best. It doesn't feel like. Is that just business? Well, some would say. Uh, we just got, I just got out of the locker room, and I don't feel like there's a lot of leftover anger, like maybe there was some shock and surprise on Monday, which most people did echo uh, in that locker room. Brett Martineau here live from the RV City. We're in the mobile office, the RV right now. It was just raining a little bit. Where the heck did the rain come from? And uh, thanks to uh, Casey and, and Aaron for uh, taking over for the first 90 minutes of this one. We're in the Jags locker room, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, and obviously big story with James Robinson. So had to poke in there for a little bit ahead of the London trip. Uh, Brett Martineau, now Casey Kurtz. We send Aaron home, I guess, not feeling too well, so we hope he feels a little bit better. And, uh, well, Clay Harbor is here. And uh, hello, Clay Harbor. I know you missed me for 20 minutes, or you just think I'm punching in late to work. Yeah, unbelievable, man. Nice of you to join us, Brent. This is you're, you're late to your show, man. It's like you're late to your own party. You should yeah, be here more often, Clay. He's late hey, all the yeah. time. All the time. It's hard to get people to work these days, Clay. You know? No, I, mean, I don't, uh, don't disagree I, with that. man. a busy guy. 
so hey, I did. What did you did you just hear that? I don't know how. It was pretty pretty low, but could you hear James? And he basically said the communication wasn't there. Do these things ever go well? Like, does any unless you really want out and you don't care how it goes? Does it ever go well that a player's like, well, I'm really happy with the way that got handled? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen it when a guy wants to leave and he's like, oh, yeah, they did a great job. They sent me right where I wanted to go, when I wanted to go. There's always two sides of every story, too, so you don't know. you got to realize that organization has to do its best for them and the player wants to do its best for them. And a lot of times they don't match up. The player wants to go somewhere organization doesn't want them to go a player wants to do something the organization doesn't want so that's where you find that's where you find those problems and you know it seems like you got to a good spot and doug got something in return so hopefully it works out for both of us yeah and, and that's yeah i know you guys talked about it a little bit but uh i will say i just got out of the locker room travis Etienne. i thought he had a really good soundbite on it and and paraphrasing he said listen we both at the end of the day end up in a pretty good situation I'm going to probably carry the ball and be used more here, and we all want to play in this industry, and so is James. James going to probably be able to get the load that he needs, and it was interesting to hear uh, ETN because he said, you know, and he'll probably get the amount of carries that the way he is, he needs, he, he wants to get going as the game goes along, and all the things we've talked about get to maybe 18, 20, 22 carries, and then he'll, he'll even contribute even more, so, you know, I, I think there was a little stunned nature of this at first because of how quick it all happened from James not playing for Sunday and then Monday everybody asking the questions and then the quirky nature of was he really hurt and then the quick trade. And I think by Wednesday now everybody's kind of happy in their own little place and it's on with it. I mean, you've been around this thing a long time, Clay. I mean, you've been a part of it. I mean, yeah. business is business in the NFL, isn't it? Business is business, and sometimes, obviously, you know, some people end up unhappy, but I think that this was a good deal for both of them. I think James Robinson, with injuries over there, is going to get an opportunity to play with a good team, a good run game. He's got some good blockers, and he's going to get the carries he wants. And Travis Etienne is going to get more carries here, and it's going to open up the offense in a lot of different ways. And you kind of felt like as the season went on, that's the direction they were moving in. So I think it works out It works out perfect for both guys. They're both in good situations. Obviously, Robinson has a free agency coming up that he's looking at. He wants to cash in. So I hope this works out well for both of them. Clay Harbor with us, Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz. Casey, jump in if you would like. Uh, the Jags head to London. And uh, i tell you what, this is a locker room that's still in a pretty good place. I understand the 24-hour rule. I haven't been in the locker room a lot because they've had availability at 3 o'clock, and so I actually do show up to the show most Wednesdays and haven't been in um, the locker room. But I think they're in a good mindset, Clay. I think they've all the things you've said, all the things we've said, all the things that people don't want to hear right now in terms of there's a lot of good things happening. They feel that they feed off that. They feed off that more than the negative side, which we all kind of talk about and are like, what the hell, right? Um, yeah. I think you can sense that. And there still is a lot of season in their mind, right? I mean, when you have 10 games to go as a player, you almost get the sense they're thinking like, hey, if we win one of these games, we feel like we're going to roll off four out of five, five out of six. We're going, we can beat anybody, we think, right now if we just do a couple of more things. So – uh, while I'm sitting here, like, two and five is an awful place to be for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I don't know if that locker room kind of views it as the same way. Yeah, they're going to stay positive. And once you get one win, and I think they, they realize that they've been in 
pretty much every game. Every game they lost, there's been a play here or a play there that happened that if that play goes the other – if ETM doesn't fumble going in the end zone. I mean, we can all agree that the game probably goes differently and they win. Indianapolis game, there's countless plays. If You know, and then you go back to Texans. If, if Trevor doesn't – that one play doesn't throw an interception in the end zone. So this team knows they are a good team. They were still the favorites against a 5-1 and one New York Giants team, and they were and they were two and four. The people know this is a good team. The players know this is a good team. They can move the ball. Trevor Lawrence is getting better. He had 300 yards of passing last week. Travis Etienne had over 100 yards rushing. They got the guys. Christian Kirk came back with the big game. Almost broke 100. They have a good game. They have a solid run defense or a solid pass defense. Run defense needs a little work, but this team, if they can roll some things off can get going. This team has everything they need. You have a quarterback, you have a running back, you have receivers, you have a solid defense. They can they can cause some trouble down the road. Consistency is the key, I guess, but it's just frustrating from, I guess, the fans' point that you're so close and yet they just can't seem to get it done. Clay Harbor with us, ESPN 690, Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and obviously Clay Harbor. Clay, as we talk about the Broncos and the Jags, I want to know, did you see the story that Russell Wilson is on the plane doing high knees Clay, please tell me you saw this. He's working out while on the plane to London. I don't get this one at all. I mean, what's TSA doing about this, man? Is this legal? That's what I'm saying. Come on, TSA. Doesn't feel safe. No, they make me put my, uh, you know, put my window up when I'm about when I'm taking off or landing. I want to put my window down. This guy's doing high knees up and down the aisle. That doesn't seem saying. fair. It's not right. It's not right at all. No, but in all seriousness, man, I think I've never seen that happen. There would be guys, a couple of guys that might bring a, you know, a gripper or something so they could do a little hand strength or something like that or have their feet up, but I've never heard of anyone. Guys, I've been to London three times with the Jaguars. I've never heard of anyone doing workouts up and down the aisle. Some guys had to be like, okay, what's going on there? If you want to stand up in front of your seat or – do some some air squats or do a hamstring stretch here and there maybe, but run it up and down the aisle. That's uh, that's next level. Read the room. Read the room, Russ. <laughs> Read the room. I don't think he cares about the room. You know, I just socialed this and said, and I asked this question. I was thinking about it earlier today. Is Russell Wilson more of a problem than maybe Nathaniel Hackett? There's a lot of talk that Hackett. Like, is this real stuff that ha- we'll get to that part? But Hackett could get. If they, if they lose, that doesn't make sense to me, and I'll, I'll maybe I'll rant on that. But before we get to that, Russell Wilson, what is up with this Russell Wilson story, Clay? Like, it just seems weird for whatever reason. Is he he's a weird fit, potentially, in this locker room, maybe in any locker room? It's just so odd to see a player of his caliber have this kind of odd connection right now with this football team. And I almost feel like he's the reason they're struggling Maybe more than Hackett. Yeah, I like Nate. Obviously, you guys remember Nate back when he was uh, with the Jaguars, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. He's a good guy as the players like. Obviously, he's made some questionable decisions down the road. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, is it Hackett's offense or is it Russell not gelling? And they've had some injuries, but for whatever reason, they're not clicking. And I know it's early in the season, but you brought this guy in. You traded away draft picks to bring this guy in and to win right now, and they're not winning. If they go through this whole year and, you know, they end up below 500, 
don't make the playoffs. I think I think Hackett gets because you can't you can't cut Russell Wilson. Well, he signed sure. a huge deal, so you have to blame it on somebody. And if him and Hackett aren't clicking, you got to win now. You're stuck with Russell Wilson. You are not getting rid of him. The amount of money that you're paying this guy and the the, the length of his contract that is your quarterback win or lose. So kind of you have to blame it on Hackett, or you're just admitting that, you know, we're screwed for the next I don't know how many years. Clay Harbor with us. Uh, Casey Kurtz, Brent Martin. We're in RV City now here at the mobile office. Uh, just got out of that Jags locker room talking to James Robinson. Robinson talked in New York City, by the way. If you haven't caught that, he kind of said the communication was bad. Uh, thought he could have played, should have played on Sunday. And uh, I, we'll see if he moves on. But this whole experiment over the last couple of years didn't sit well uh, with James Robinson in Jacksonville, that's for sure, after a tremendous year one and even the early part of year two in uh, Jaguars land. So we stay on top of that story. But, you know, the Jags play the Denver Broncos next, and these are two teams struggling. But really, the, the Denver Broncos are really struggling. Like, can you fire Nathaniel Hackett this soon? Like, I get it if it's wrong after the year and you just want to change it and there's a different ownership group. And I understand what you just said about Russell Wilson. Like, he's going to be the guy. But, I mean... You can't give somebody just like seven or eight games in a season to figure out if it's working or not, can you? If the if the ownership's getting pressured, if they think something has to be done, I think it's possible. You look at the track record, there's no record for Nate Hackett. And there is a track record for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has been a winner in this league. He's won a Super Bowl. He's made the playoffs. He's never had a year this bad. So if you look at the empirical evidence, the data... You say, okay, it has to be Hackett, right? Russell Wilson's never had a season this bad. So that's why I think it's all landed on Hackett. Yeah, we'll see. what. How good is this Denver defense, by the way? How much have you caught? Well, you've caught Denver because they're in prime time like 14 times already this season. Make it They've stop. only played seven games. Make it stop. But, I mean, how good is their defense? I'm a little concerned about their defense against the Jags and Trevor and and how will he handle this? I think he's going to be under more duress than we've seen. Now, if you go back to the Washington game, he was pressured 20 times in that game. It's been a while since he was pressured a ton. I wouldn't say Philadelphia pressured him as much as he just kind of lost the football in spots. I think this could be one where he's going to take some hits. He's going to have to take some sacks. He can't freak out with the football in certain spots. I mean, I just got done uh, listening to him talk about the play that was almost an interception but negated by penalty. He said, yeah, that was all on him. He, he was trying to throw it away. He threw it right to the guy. Uh, he didn't. It wasn't like he saw the flag. It, it wasn't even the receiver thing. He was just trying to get it out of his hands because he didn't want to take a sack with 40 seconds to go. And I get that. There's a lot to process, but you can't freak out either. I'm a little concerned about the the Denver defense, man. They can get after you on a lot of different levels. So, obviously, Denver has a good defense. They're third in the league in points allowed, but as far as rushing, they're averaging, they're giving up over 100 yards per game. You're going to have to hand the ball off ETN. That's why I thought it was interesting timing. You're going up against a bad rushing team, a team that has one of the best pass defenses in the league, and you're going to trade one of your best running backs, your, you know, your, your thunder to your lightning, right before this game, a team that's giving up 16 points a game, it's only allowed three passing touchdowns. And they've got more interceptions than they've allowed touchdowns this year. And now you just give up a big weapon that you can use on the ground. So that's, uh, that's interesting, and that's something that I thought, you know, wasn't, wasn't great. 
This team in total yardage has only given up 280 yards. That's second in the whole league. This defense is tough, but you can run the ball against them. Last week, gave up over 100 yards. This team susceptible to run, but you can't throw the ball against them. People have tried and tried and tried again. One of the best pass defenses in the league, one of the best overall defenses, but you can run against them. Clay Harbor with us here on Brenton Friends on ESPN 690. Wednesday of Georgia-Florida week. The Jags leave tomorrow for London to play the Denver Broncos. The injury report just has Jamal Agnew. just came out, by the way, and uh, knee injury limited in practice. I kind of feel like he'll be ready to go. We'll see. It's a different turf now over in London, too. So, will they want to be safe in that situation? It's a slicker turf at Wembley Stadium uh, in England for this football game on Sunday. And uh, Shaq Griffin, of course, on injured reserve, so he doesn't have to be on the injured report. The Jags uh, will make do without Shaq Griffin for the next uh, few games at the very least. Clay Harbor, you get ready to hand out that rose, man. Who are you going to give it to? <laughs> you do, hey, you have some options now this time around. It wasn't like yeah. an all-bad game. So you have options. Will it be a duplicate? Will it be another rose for somebody? We'll find out. Clay Harbor back on Brent and Friends on ESPN 690, live from RV City here on a Wednesday when we get back. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, of course, here in the month of October. You know that well, and Fields Auto Group is making a big effort with Pink Ribbon Jacks to support free mammograms for women in need. And you can really help out. $100 for every new car sold in the month of October will go toward a big check at the end of this month toward Pink Ribbon Jacks to provide the free mammograms for women in need. Dan Fields, president of Fields Auto Group, spearheading this latest initiative. If you're looking for a new luxury car, go to Fields Auto Group, help out a great cause. You can go to various locations in the Northeast Florida area. Jacksonville's Luxury Auto Group, Lexus of Jacksonville and Orange Park, Mercedes-Benz of Jacksonville, Orange Park, Jaguar Land Rover, Jacksonville, Porsche Jacksonville, Fields Cadillac Jacksonville and St. Augustine as well. Fields is a proud sponsor of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Help them support Pink Ribbon Jacks. Take a look at a new luxury car from Fields Auto Group at fieldsauto.com. Brent Martineau along with Casey Kurtz and our tight end, Clay Harbor, former Jag, former Eagle, former Patriot on ESPN 69. <laughs> By the way, Zappy, Zappy or Mac Jones, I guess it's going to be Mac Jones. That was bad Belichick, Bill Belichick. You taught us a nice Belichick lesson. I know you brought it up again today, but that was bad Belichick, Clay. I mean, what the hell is he doing? Man, I, I don't know what the going on over, on over there in, in New England. Obviously, they have a not only do they have a quarterback competition now, a quarterback controversy, he says he's going with Mac, but they literally had an offensive coordinator controversy before the game, before the season. Like, they were deciding, they didn't know if it was going to be Joe Judge or Matt Patricia, who's going to be the offensive coordinator. So how how is a quarterback going to get a feel for the game plan, get a feel for what he's doing, feel confident when he doesn't even know who his coordinator was until the season starts? So... There's some real uncharacteristic New England Patriots things going on over there in Foxborough. So we'll see if they get that turned around. But I'm I'm very, very surprised by the game, bringing in Zappy like that, and the fact that, you know, the Bears were able to pull off that victory and, and blow them out nationally televised Monday Night Football. And, by the way, Mac Jones will start in this game. I don't know how much you guys talked about Justin Fields, but if you don't mind, I'll bring it up again real quick. I thought Fields was excellent. I thought he was terrific in that game. And 
I like what I see. I'm a fan of Justin Fields to begin with. I don't like what they have around him. I think they put him in an unsuccessful situation. But if you can see a few more moments throughout the year and growth like that out of Justin Fields, I'll feel good. The rest of the class outside of Trevor and Fields is a giant question mark right now, Clay. But I think Fields is actually trending in a pretty good direction getting through some of the mud that he's been in. That was his best game so far. And the reason it was his best game so far is because Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze had this short pseudo bye week. They had the Thursday night game, and they played on Monday night. So they reevaluated, and they said, hey, we're going to put our players in the best position to win. And they said, they went out and said, we looked at some Baltimore Ravens tape, and we're looking at how do the Ravens use Lamar Jackson. They're over here using Justin Fields like he's Tom Brady in the, in the pocket. Like, no, get this guy on the move. He is 6'3", 230 pounds, and can run a 4-4-40. Get this guy on the move. Do some some design runs and let him really get in the flow of the game. And what I saw, they did some design runs. Bill was able to make some plays with his feet. And as he got more comfortable and more confident by use, making these plays with his feet, he started throwing the ball better. So now I think they're, they're on to something here, and you got a tough task with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence coming in this week with the Dallas Cowboys. But I think that there's there's a chance that they, they could even upset the Cowboys, even though they're 11-point dogs. So Phil's looking better. Chicago as a whole, I'm here right now. The city is feeling a lot better about where Justin Fields is and the Chicago Bears as a whole. By the way, there will be a roller coaster ride still there. He is going to take some bumps. It might be this week against that really good Dallas defense. Like, he is not going to look good from here on out. That's not what I'm saying. I just think he's going to have some moments. And then at the end of the day, if you can go back to three, four, five, six different moments or, or games or progress, and then you say, hey, the Bears have $100 million to spend too. Well, now you can make the case. I mean, I just think they're very slow in this process of fields, but I think there's something there potentially with it. And I think we're seeing some of that out of Trevor. I think we're seeing some of the inconsistencies, but there's some good things to latch on to as well. And hopefully by the last six, seven games, you see more consistency of Trevor and, and he takes off a little bit. So his progress could start even earlier, Clay. Like the tail end of this year and then it will give people a lot of hope going into 2023 absolutely the bears got a lot of money to spend and they just got more from this trade with with robert quinn i think that the next season after we get through this year justin fields is going to have a lot of a lot more weapons around him. the bears have the most salary cap space by double any other team. This team is going to be able to put receivers, you're going to be able to get offensive linemen, be able to improve the defense. This team is going to be able to improve greatly. And if you get this this comfortability with fields right, and you get them comfortable with this playbook and you figure out how to use them, the future is going to be bright in Chicago. All right, give us your uh, final Roseman, and we'll get you on your way here on a Wednesday in uh, Jacksonville. Well, you're in Chicago in the Windy City. Is it nice up there, by the way, or is it snowing yet? Oh, it's 50 degrees, so for you it's probably cold, but for me it's a nice day. So, you know, us in Chicago, we come to respect these 50-degree days as long as the sun's out. It's okay. <laughs> Good deal. Who are you giving the final rose to? All right, we got a first-time recipient this week, and you know, obviously we didn't get the win, but uh, there were some good things, there were some bad things. But uh, Trevor had over 300 yards. He doesn't get the rose because he was only 50% completion percentage. 
Etienne, eight yards a pop in his first touchdown, but he fumbled the ball going in the end zone, which I think would have changed the game completely. Christian Kirk had seven for 96, but I'm a tight end, and I haven't given a rose to a tight end yet this year. This guy's actually 10th in the league in, in receiving yard for tight ends. He doesn't get talked about a lot, but I'm going to give this rose to Evan Ingram. Will you accept this rose, Evan Ingram? You will. There you go. <laughs> Good one. I like it. Against his old team. And, you know, I'm still trying to – I'm still waiting for him to really, really take off with a football game. But I feel like when he catches a football – I think I've said this to Casey too. Clay, it's like a big catch. It's an important play. And I think he's yeah. making a lot of those kind of plays. I agree. I like him. All right. Uh, hey, man, have a good uh, Wednesday. We'll talk to you again next week, hopefully after the Jags get off this slide with a win over Denver. Absolutely. See you later, Brett. All right. Uh, that is Clay Harbor, our tight end, joins us each and every Wednesday. Uh, we got the lineup here, right? Mondays, it's Mojo at 3 o'clock. Rasheen Mathis, 4 o'clock. Clay Harbor on Wednesdays at 4 o'clock. By the way, Rasheen going to join us on the TV side. I'm running over to String Sports Brewery for a Wednesday edition of Jaguars All Access. That's coming up tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. String Sports Brewery. Come on over, say hello to Rasheen Mathis tonight. And uh, we'll be right back. Football at 5 coming up. We'll talk a little bit about this Georgia-Florida game as well on ESPN 690.